Welcome to Monkey Business, ooh, ooh, ooh. a Michael and Robert production. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> We're here to bring you a brand new podcast. And I know you're all so excited to hear what sort of innovation we've brought you. And guess what? It is innovative. So innovative, you'll never believe two idiots like us could have come up with it. So what are we doing? You, you really want to know what we're doing? The same fucking thing, but shorter. <laughs> <laughs> in this new podcast, Monkey Business, Michael and I, are, our goal is to try to give you a 20-minute podcast on a much more consistent weekly basis. So you can tune in every week, you can, you can hear us, but you don't have to commit, you know, two, three hours of your life. You can expect the same sort of format every single time, or maybe not, but our goal is two segments. The first one is called Soapbox. I'll explain that more in a little bit. And the second will be sort of an eclectic mix of topics. Question. Will we still be doing long form interviews? Sure. Will we mix it up? Sure. Are we likely to change this format in two weeks? Sure. But for now, this is the format that we're going with and we're so excited to bring you monkey business. And so with that, Michael, how are you doing today? Uh, good, good. I was, I was debating whether to do like some, some monkey thing and I was like, ah, yeah, I should have prepared a little <laughs> bit better. <laughs> should we just have like bananas fly? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, we have a tight timeline, so I think we should go, go ahead and get started. Our first segment is called our Soapbox segment. And this is where one of us or a guest, maybe we'll have a guest like a Michael Song or someone bringing on a strong opinion. Um, we're gonna get on our Stephen A. Smith. We're just gonna talk about something on our mind for a few minutes. And to me, today, it's gonna be me. And what we're gonna talk about this week is gambling, or should I say investing? As a lot of you know, I spend a lot of time spending too much time on GroupMe, messaging about the latest stock or cryptocurrency, and it's good. I do like the camaraderie, the idea sharing, and more. But I also think it's bad. Here's the reality. I'm not gonna make a casino metaphor because that's overdone. The reality is, right now we're all collectively in a hot streak. We're going out to bars and every single one of us is picking up chicks and they're coming home with us. And each time you bring a chick home, you think to yourself, dang, I should aim a little higher. I should go a little bigger. And Jesus Christ, Michael True just pulled Ariana Grande. Yeah, she's uh. on her fourth divorce or whatever. And now she's going home with Michael. And that's the moment you go, damn, Michael's intelligent. He's good looking, but he's going home with Ariana fucking Grande. You're telling me I can't? So now we're all hanging out at the bar and Margot Robbie pulls up. And we're all in. We start looking at each other and we're all ready to start throwing darts because every dart that we've thrown is fucking bullseye. And that's what I'm talking about. Honestly, right now we're in this moment where everything we're touching is gold. I might actually have more respect for someone who's lost money in the past 12 months than those who have made it. So what does this all mean? My goal right now isn't to tell you to squeeze your butt cheeks and be negative and get out of the market and ignore everything. If you've liked gambling a little bit or you found interest in the markets, I think that's great. I think you all know how passionate I am that we should all be invested. Ownership is the only path to wealth, period. But I also think you should remember a couple of things. 
If it was always this easy, then don't you think we would have been doing this before? If it was as simple as a bunch of people online are talking about something or a famous person is tweeting about it, or, hey, I smoke weed, why not buy some pot stocks? If first order thinking was always rewarded in the market, we'd already be rich, but that's not how it works. So here's what I recommend. First, if you think you're a genius right now, have a little dose of humility. Everyone's doing really well. Two, if you don't think you're a genius, but you see your bet sizes increasingly going up, you've made a little money here, so the next time your bet goes a little higher, then your next time your bet goes a little higher, just make sure you have some downside protection. You have to be able to explain in two sentences why you're protected to the downside and that the likelihood is that the item that you're investing in is actually going to go higher and not just because other people are gonna buy it. Three, broaden your horizon. I want you to remember that if you owned Coca-Cola or Disney or McDonald's, any of these sort of obvious names since the time we were born, you would have been up 20, 30X on that money. And all those companies pay you rent for owning the stock. That's called a dividend. The goal right now is not to try to time when a crash will come. The goal is to find names that honestly, if you had to turn off the stock market and never look at it again for 20 years, you would feel comfortable holding that company. And the reality is a lot of these names that we're talking about don't hold the test. I'm not just talking about GameStop or AMC. I'm talking about all sorts of these random SPACs or things like that, that we don't even know what companies are beneath them. So extend your time horizon right now. If you're going to invest in something, which I encourage you to do, make sure you want to hold that name for a long time. And fourthly, and finally, set up a YOLO fund. If you have all of your other savings and investings taken care of, then allocate yourself $500 or on Robinhood or whatever you can afford and just YOLO into all the fun shit. If you can turn that 500 into 5,000, amazing. But don't think you're a genius. Don't increase your fund size. Just play with that and nothing else. That's your gambling budget. Give yourself the budget to gamble, but don't confuse gambling with investing. And that's my mantra. Happy investing, everyone. I love this shit with a passion. I'm glad you all are getting into it. And if you ever have any serious questions about how to approach it, I think many people uh, in our group have had one-on-ones either with me or with each other. And I'm always happy to discuss your situation more. And that's it for Soapbox. Nice. Any initial thoughts, Michael? Uh, I mean, I think we should have like a tagline, like after Soapbox, I put that soap in your mouth, boy. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> oh, man, I'm just glad you didn't make a Stephen A. Smith monkey joke. So um, next up in our second segment, we're going to do this time around, we, we could do all sorts of things. We could do a game. We could do an interview. We could do just a discussion on, you know, the Warriors, whatever that's happening. But in this particular event, we're going to be interviewing Michael Chen. It's been a while. I think it's been probably 11 podcasts since we've talked about how your situation is. And I want to get to get everyone caught up on how you're doing. So first of all, let's start off with how is your butt doing? The butt is good. I'm feeling almost 100%. Say like 99.9. .9. Yeah. What's the feeling when you go to the bathroom? It's good. Smooth. Taking some fiber supplements, you know, okay. in my veggies, fruits. Uh, now, we did talk about that before, like your diet. Um, are you back to normal now? Or are you still kind of holding pretty tight on your diet? I would say the biggest thing is like, I don't eat much spicy food or like if i'm gonna put spice in it's like not to the level i would have before uh, right right but 
I don't know. It's, you know, as long as I have a little spice, I think it's, it still does the job, you know? So, you know, we, you've gone through some shit, man. So your, your, your butt has gone through some stuff literally, oh, yeah. and, uh, your back, you know, uh, your eye, uh, you, you've experienced a lot of health sort of My balls, your balls. <laughs> oh God, your poor bleeding penis. Um, You've gone through a lot, dude, and and honestly, I I find it impressive how little you complain about it, or how little you perform what some authors call excusitis. Now, can you talk just through that sort of mindset? Like, I feel like a lot of us would be complaining a lot more. Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, where we're reading the book, you know, the magic of of thinking big. Um, and that caught it, kind of got me thinking about it too. And then I, I want to say like, it's got to be because of my parents or like my dad more specifically, like, like never heard him complain. I mean, like he complains cause like I complain and like we joke around, but like, you know, seeing my dad like work ethic and, you know, my parents work ethic, it's like, it wasn't a lot of like complaining growing up <laughs> you know it was just like well you know like my dad got laid off and it was just like okay like I'm gonna find something new like how crazy is it that like a first of all they came to America didn't know English learned English got a job at HP worked himself up through college as an electrical engineer for 25 years then is like, well, now I'm just gonna switch over and do like real estate, like a totally different like set of skills. It's like, I mean, you know, it's like way more interpersonal, like uh, you, you have to be more salesman, whatever, from an engineer who is just like, dude, you don't even talk to anybody, you just do your, do your work. <laughs> and it's like, it's crazy, you know? And uh, yeah, it's I wanna say that's- It's not just that, think about, Dude, one of the things I always think about is how much of a handicap all of the information we have around us is. Like before mm -hmm. I do anything, I spend like way too long Googling it, way too long reading, you know, a Reddit opinion on this thing. Or, and at first I always think of that as like, oh, this is positive inputs. You get basically a bunch of different feedback or, or you get what other people have done. You can kind of copy, et cetera. But on the other hand, a lot of times you like walk away from those experiences kind of discouraged, like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to do this now or, or whatever. And I think there's something powerful to, I'm going to go to real estate and I'm sure maybe you read a book or maybe he knew somebody in the industry that he could talk to, but your mind is already made up. I am going to do this. And now it's just about taking action as opposed to the person who is like, I want to work out. Now I'm going to read a thousand different things, articles about different diets or different workout routines and never actually go into the gym. Yeah. That's, That's crazy. Yeah. So you, you think that comes from your parents and... I want to say mostly. I like, yeah, I wouldn't... I don't know what I would attribute the rest to. Like, just don't be a fucking bitch, dude. I don't know. Like, <laughs> do, you, do you ever like... Do you feel a little bit of uh, stoicism or... Like, do you have any sort of spirituality that guides that? Uh, I don't know, like, maybe we'll talk about it when we talk about the book. I, I would say it's more like, 
I try to be not too up or too down all the time. Um, so like, it's never like, you know, it sucks, but it's also like, oh, well, this isn't like the worst thing that could happen to me or, or so on. Right. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't well, there's, know. there was that moment in the book where they go, uh, and, and by the way, what's the book for everyone out there? Uh, the Magic of Thinking Big. Yeah. Magic of Thinking Big. It's an old-timey book that a couple of us decided to just like pick up. Very much a self-help book. But there's some stuff in there that's kind of interesting to ponder. And, and there was that one line he said about um, the person who is always sick and always talking about their health and always like, oh, there's something wrong with me yeah. versus the person who's like actually like has a heart problem, but they made the decision like, I am going to live until I die. You know, that, that's, that's it. Like if, and if I'm living, that's what I'm going to focus on. I'm not going to focus on like all this other stuff. And that was an interesting sort of phrase for me. Yeah. So I think, I mean, we might as well talk about it now. So I think that the part that I have trouble with is like, my mind isn't stuck in like, oh my God, like fucking back hurts all the time. Like my life sucks, like, you know, so on and so forth. But my mind is also not in the opposite camp where it's like, like my back is going to feel great. Like I just need to work on this. Like I'm going to be a hundred percent. I'm just kind of sitting in neutral of like, yeah, I'm going to do my stretches. I'll, I'll try things every once in a while. Some, some mix it up, but I don't have like that belief um, of like, yo, like I can, I can do this. And I feel like I'm missing that. And that's kind of what's holding me back at, at some point, but I also think it speaks to like, is the reason why like most people never want to like jump in or like try 100% because it's like, it's not the like being afraid of failure. I think it's like when I fail, like if I give my 100% I fail, like how do I get back up? Or like, am I going to get back up? I think that's the feel like, that's the feeling. I don't know. I don't know if you agree yeah. or not. No, I totally understand. It's the idea of if you go all in, that almost feels like this is, there's no other options on the table. I'm giving it my all. And then if it doesn't work out, what, what is, there's no other path. Then you're almost like, you know, it's almost better to live in pain and have the hope that it can get better than to like go all in and know that it'll never get better. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that, but I understand that, that sort of mentality. I definitely understand that. That's tricky. That, that, is, that is really tricky. Um, but I don't know. It's something that impresses me about you that you sort of stay steady through it all. Um, all right. So next up, you know, what I want to ask you about is your house. So uh, you had the South Carolina experience and then you moved to Nashville and you know your 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 walls are are pretty thin. You have this crazy sort of pipe situation that that just happened, and then your breakers burned up and stuff like that. There's a lot of shit, as you know, that goes into owning a house. Do you regret real estate at all? No, no. I mean, I think it's more a learning experience uh, for sure. Um, the South Carolina one was. I think that to me was more just like, 
I don't even I don't even know the process of like buying a home, selling a home, renting the home, fixing up certain things. Um, so that's kind of what I feel like I learned there, and why I also sold out was like I. First of all, it was like a, a duplex, so like it's not going to appreciate very much. And South and Columbia is not a popping city, so I was like, I'm just going to get out, even though like I'm making some cash flow. Like to me, it's not it's not worth it. Um, I'd rather get the cash for something else. Um, then here, um, I've learned like forcing appreciation. So once again, like you know, fixing the home, but to like a much higher degree than what I had done in South Carolina. South Carolina was just like hire someone to change the carpets and I'm going to put up some blinds and shit. Like, so it's, it's not like I'm, I'm making the home worth more really. Um, so doing a lot like, you know, countertops, a kitchen in the basement, uh, redoing the bathroom. So really like a, a bigger scale of project. And then also learning I think while you have inspectors, what you find out is like the inspector didn't find everything in the house, right? So what I've learned is like, hey, like when I buy another house, like basically with every house, you kind of learn like, oh, there's some shit like that I need to be looking out for. Like South Carolina one was like fucking hole in the attic where squirrels were fucking fucking up there. You know, it's like, okay, like if I'd seen that, then I would have said like, hey, like that needs to be fixed or like let's check for fucking rodents and like here is like just physically so like yeah i'll just give an example is like uh this is a stupid example but basically like this tub is like a weird ass tub where it's not like full porcelain it's kind of like a plastic sheet over like cast iron or something i don't know what it is but basically there's like water in between this like outer shell and the tub stuck in between. So like when you step on it, you're like, what the fuck is this? But when you buy the house, you don't step into the fucking shower. When the inspector does, he just turns on the shower. Like, is the shower working? Do I get hot water? So it's like shit like that. It's like the fuck I wouldn't even thought that was a thing, but it's like when you check it, just fucking check everything. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's so many little things like that. You know, you go into a room and like where are the plugs located? And yeah, it's, you know, it's actually not the hardest job in the world to like add new outlets and things like that. But like, it's kind of annoying if like they're not in the right place or you turn on the water and like, how good is a water heater really at like, does it take like five minutes every time, even whether it's tankless or with a, a hot water tank? Um, there's so many little components that like, I don't know, you don't spend the time uh, checking that, that, that you kind of learn each time. Yeah. The tough part though, it'll be interesting if you do, and we'll get to this section in a second around potentially moving, but the tough part is depending on the market that you're in, you as a buyer have more or less latitude to check those things. Like for example, for this memo park house there, you know, if I wanted to win the offer at the price that I wanted to pay, there's really not much I could ask in terms of concessions from, from the seller. So in a way it's kind of just like, take it as it is and then just like sort of deal with the problems. And so it really just depends on kind of where your market is. Yeah, yeah. So 
Okay, so you, you don't regret it. Um, it's been a good sort of experience and, and wealth building process for you. Um, have you made good money on, on it yet? Uh, yeah, so, you know, the tenant basically pays close to $1,000 in, in rent and my mortgage for the house is like 1,100. So pretty close to living like rent free. That's amazing. Uh, so that's all I could ask for. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy about it. And I think, you know, based on the appraisal of some other homes in the area, like whenever I do want to sell, like I will hopefully make like at least 50K in profit. So, you know, I've kind of built that in like, hey, how much money? Like it was old house. So like I kind of built in like, hey, I might have to fix a thing or two. Um, I have to fix more than I've wanted to in like one year span. Like I was expecting like a longer timeline of fixing these things, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And that'll eat into your appreciation. But in a way, if you are saving a thousand dollars a month on your mortgage, you are raising your salary by $12,000. And that's pretty nice. You know, not all of us make a shit ton of money. $12,000 represents a pretty substantial raise um, for, for a lot of us. And so uh, that's sort of the power of, I think, real estate and sort of that monthly cash flow that you can get. Now, and then, my, and then my parents told me, I don't know, I think in California, it's a rule that like, if you're renting, you have to claim that you're a renter. So in Tennessee, it's not the case. So my parents are like, Don't tell nobody <laughs> till, you know, I leave this property that yeah. I say, oh, now I'm renting it. Well, I mean, not to get too political, but the fastest way to uh, not be liberal is just to own a property. <laughs> You'll find yourself disagreeing with all sorts of things that the government does. Now, tell me this. Um, Let's, let's transition for a second and talk about where you might be living. Um, there's words, you know, rumors to the grapevine that maybe you're considering another job. Tell us about your status there. Yeah, yeah. So the grapevine? No, not on the grapevine anymore. That was uh, that was Gallo. You know, you know what I'm all about. I'm all about those vegetables now. You know, I'm a healthy living. I'm trying to change my life. So, uh, you know me. Everyone's gonna be eating Beyond Burgers. Beyond patties, oh, you, no. go to, you go to Taco Bell, we get, <laughs> we get beyond tacos. Like, you know, you know, it's going to be the next big thing. <laughs> That's amazing. So where, where are you at in the process so far? Uh, so, yeah, maybe we can, I'll just share a little bit. I think it's interesting how like each industry's interview process is different. So um, I've had two interviews. I'll have one more tomorrow. And then I have two more next week and then that should be it. So hopefully sometime the following week after they'll, they'll come back to me with something. Um, so should be before the end of the month. Cool. And just to timestamp this, everybody, we're talking on February 11th right now. So uh, prayers and fingers crossed for Michael. That'd be so dope. And so you'd be down in LA, down in El Segundo. Yep. So it's going to be in LA and El Segundo. And yeah, no, I haven't talked to you about this, but it was actually, the situation is like, wow, this is a, a small world after all. So basically this recruiter reached out to me last year. Oh, okay. Well, 
even further back is like somebody from Mars left the company and I was like working with kind of close with and she was like oh I use this recruiter and I just mentioned her offhand like oh yeah like you know I'll probably end up going to California so she was from Chicago so she got a job back in Chicago um she was like oh like I I use this recruiter and he he actually offered me a job in California um he's like why don't you talk to him and, and see if that's like a job you would want so reached out to him the job was like something in San Diego like a startup um wasn't that interested a in the company and like going back to San Diego uh so I was just like yo like I'm good and then he tried to reach out to me like towards the end of last year and he's like oh can I hit you up and I was like yeah yeah then he like never called me so I was like all right you know fuck this dude so then he reaches out again like three weeks ago and he's like oh like you have time to talk this is like a Sunday or something I was like what the like this dude works on a Sunday so I was just like yeah go ahead I was like hey you probably won't even call anyway it's calls talk to him and he's just like you know tell me about yourself tell him about my experiences and he's like oh have you heard of like plant protein companies and I was just like Oh yeah, like I've I've interviewed for like Impossible, like I know Impossible and Beyond. He's like, oh, like, well, actually, this opportunity is from Beyond. I was like, oh shit, like okay. Um, I was like, well, it's literally like one of the companies I was looking at. So, like, great opportunity. Then I talked to him, and he's like, oh, the hiring manager used to also be from Mars. I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, he worked in Mars Pet Care too. Then, you know, we have chocolate and, and gum. And I was like, oh shit. Then I hit up the one friend that I have. I wouldn't call her a friend, but ex-Mars who's working at Beyond and she's been there for like two years. And I'm like, hey, like, how's the company? Do you like it? And I was like, oh, do you know this, this guy, this hiring manager? She's like, oh yeah, I work for him. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. Like, small <laughs> world, please. I like so, how, I like, by the way, how you're like, Oh, you know, Mars also makes like candy and gum. Like as if anyone knows they make pet food, dude. Everyone okay, knows they okay. make candy and gum. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're really connected to, to a few of these people. So you think you got a good shot. Yeah, so I think I felt pretty good before. Then actually my first interview was with the hiring manager. And this is the first time I worked with recruiters. I don't know if you have before or know people, but it's just like getting fucking answers to the test, bro. Like this dude just wants you to get hired. He's just like, all right, you know, he's going to ask you these five questions. Like we prepared, um, we had another, and then like the day of my interview, he emails me. He's like, we just had another candidate like interview with him. And he asked him a finance question, like be ready. I was like, damn, dude, this guy's just handing me fucking, <laughs> fucking gold here. <laughs> That's just how it works. <laughs> It's, it's, it's actually remarkable. Like one of my goals, so two, two things. First, my first job in college was a company called Keep. And that was my first exposure to just tech startups, all of that. And frankly, I was a really bad employee. I, I was just not good at my job. I didn't work hard. Like the moment I was the person where it's like, I'm looking at the clock in the moment, like 4.59 and 59 seconds, like is ticking. I've already got all my stuff packed up. It hits five, I'm out, peace out guys. That's not what you want in a startup environment. Well, guess what happens? 
three people, that company failed, but three people from that company went and started another company. And uh, now, you know, one of that guys is a billionaire. Um, the, the, the co-founder is worth like 850 million. And then, you know, the third person is like head of their, and they were all my age and they were all like smart, cool, good people. And basically I think at that time, Keep had 35 employees. Um, if you go and look at this other company, about 17 of the 35 work for that, for that other company. And they're all in high up positions. I would have been somebody if I had just done any amount of good work who they might've just like been like, Hey, do you want to come join this company? And it would have been like a no brainer. Um, cause they immediately had product market fit and they, they just exploded from the start. And I learned from that. I was like, you know, who you meet and, and what you do around them really matters. You're constantly have an audience. And so when I went to Mixpanel, part of the reason why I have so much like love for that company is it taught me how to work hard. It taught me how to like actually put in a good work and be proud of the stuff that I was doing. And now I have all these friends from like Mixpanel who like at any point in time, they're like hitting me up. Hey, I'm starting this new company. Why don't you come on over? Hey, I'm doing this. And uh, someone that I met at Dropbox is how I got introduced to Persona. And because I knew that person, they're like, oh, let me introduce you to like the hiring manager. Talk to the hiring manager. And the hiring manager is like, hey, like we just want to get you through this process. Like, you know, just meet some of these people as a formality, see if you like. But like there was no real interview. And really my goal is like to never have to interview again. I never want to make a resume again. I never want to really make like interview again. It might happen, but like if you do the if you do it well, you will meet enough people who basically go around in other places. And that was something that like seems obvious, but took me a while to kind of fully understand. Yeah, I guess it's just like you never like when I was at Gallo, they were just like this industry is real small, like make sure like you don't burn bridges or make enemies. And when I was at Mars, I was like, huh, like feels like really big. But then I guess the work that I do technically, it's like this work, the industry is basically like pet food. And it turns out to be like, you know, fake meat. And it's like cereal. And that's like what this technology is used. Well, it's also used in plastics, but I don't think it's like as transferable, but it's like, if you know the technology, like, okay, then you're kind of like in these markets. Yeah. But you're telling me that you could be showing up with like little mini boxes of honey nut Cheerios and instead you're just giving us fake meat. Dude, everybody loves fake meat, dude. I feel like you would be like five years ago, the most anti-person for fake meat. I just say, like, if five years ago, if I was like, hey, what if we had meat that was made out of plants? You'd be like, what the fuck? Give me some meat. <laughs> Look, it's all about healthy sustainability. Like, the, the world is, is the resources of the earth. Oh, man. You know, we always said, dude, if you were just as loyal, never mind. All right. So, the last question that I have is about girls. Uh, what's up with your girl situation? I know that new year's time or around that area you know maybe there was this white girl that you know you were cooking for and doing the stuff for uh what's the situation now yeah the white girl giving up giving up hope on the white girl um also she's like not back here yet she's just virginia still in virginia Ah, virginia white girls um but you know I, i was really really hoping to play Vishal's card here like once I get this job 
or if I get it, it's just like, ah, you know, like I'm leaving I'm, Nashville. I'm leaving Nashville, you know. Um, but I know that card will work on Princess, who has just moved here. So, like, you know, I'm gonna get one, get one on the way out. You know. Wow, this is your move. This is what you did to KC too. That's how I do. And Michael True, don't, don't get offended. I, when I said KC, I meant Katrina Chang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, wow, very, she's moving. She hit you up or how did you find that out? Yeah, yeah, she hit me up. She actually called me like this week. I mean, and was it was a little suggestive, was a little suggestive. So that's why I say like, I know I got it on the way out. Well, you know what you got to do, right? You like... There has to be one catchphrase that you haven't used yet, a special one. And this is not yeah. like a leading question. I'm saying you got to think of one. And when you do this last hit, you got you to gotta scream it out. Yeah. Oh, or man. Or you could just go full monkey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So um uh, i was right there was no way that we were doing this in 20 minutes i'm sure we've already gone for about 40 minutes um but this is really good dude man it's it's been uh, good to catch up and and hear how you're doing what i wanted to do as a last bonus thing the last bonus thing i'm gonna put you on the spot you know shaq's got your back you know okay. the trend i want you michael to pick someone out in the group i want you to tell the whole world in a couple of sentences just like why you appreciate them, why you respect them, maybe why you appreciate them. Floor is yours. Okay, okay. You know, I think everyone, everyone heard uh, heard my rap last year. You know, it's more than a few lines. You know, if you wanna, if you wanna look back, look back at all the good times. Is that your words. answer? Your answer is I've uh, already well, done this, so I don't have to do uh, it. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, maybe I gotta look up my own lyrics. You know, like. <laughs> You need the answers to the test. I see. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm playing. Uh, yeah, let me give. Uh, let me think. Let me think. Who's who I talked to recently? Let me give. A, let me give a shout out to uh, to the homie Eric. You know, the East Coast boys. Uh, you know, I'm about to be on my way out, you know, finally. It's kind of like leaving prison or something. Say, like, hey, man, thank you for the good times. Um, but, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, maybe the Cali boys, West Coast boys didn't, didn't like it. But, you know, we started our own thing. We had a lot of Thanksgivings together. We had good times, bonded uh, through, through the horrors, through, uh, through the pain and suffering together. Um, but yeah, I would say just like, you know, friendship and then staying together and staying connected. And yeah, I would say that's, and I'll say why I'm, I'm like saying that now is more like, I think I was talking true about it, but talk to them about it as well as like, you know, during COVID, like the way that it's happened for me and my journey so far was like in March, whatever, through June, like everyone's freaking out, like don't go outside, don't 
don't do anything. Then I had the shit happen with my ass. And then it was like, okay, like I can't even move for the rest of the year. So like, I wasn't hanging out with nobody. Like I couldn't move. Like I wasn't going to hang out with anybody. Then like the start of this year, I'm back. I'm feeling good. I'm like, shit, dude, I ain't even got friends here. I ain't got nobody to hang out with. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is like real friends, dude. It's hard, hard to come by. And, and it's just like tough, tough to make, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely happy to be going back to LA. And I think Eric, you know, his girl got the job in the Bay Area, so he should be coming back. Oh, I didn't know that. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. So Eric should be coming back. And first thing we discussed is like, how are we going to divide ourselves now, dude? Was just... <laughs> I, uh, no, that's really nice. That's really nice. I, I think that one thing to remember during this pandemic is that like, even though it's a constant, doesn't mean that it necessarily is ever easier. Um, you know, I think that we've all collectively gone through ups and downs and then individually go through sort of ups and downs. And sometimes you like are just talking to somebody and you're like, you're too happy. Like, I'm just kind of feeling down right now, um, isolated, et cetera. And I, I'm not going to lie, I got like a little bit emotional over the Super Bowl weekend, being able to see, you know, Vishal, Matt, Alex. Um, and honestly, we didn't do anything crazy. We just hang out drunk, um, you know, hung out a little bit, but it was really nice to just be around some people that you care about that uh, you can be completely yourself with. So yeah, definitely. Hopefully a lot more of that. And I will end with the fact that, you know, there is this joke going around. I'll give credit to the pun master about, uh, you know, we've always said, hey, you know, Darius and Michael hung out a lot and Darius started picking up a lot of, you know, Michael Chen's uh, traits. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, mm -hmm. Darius was always sort of like mini Michael, but uh, who would have thought that once you moved to LA that uh, it turns out you're just big Darius. No, mm -mm. mm -mm. no, nope. nope. I don't know anything about that. Um, and I appreciate you putting, you know, the LA uh, positivity out in the environment, but like, it's, it's not like a done, done deal, right? No, no, it's not. Uh, I mean, you're going to have to convince me like, like, why would I want to be anywhere else? <laughs> and there it is, folks. That was the first episode of Monkey Business. Wow. <laughs> Michael and Robert production. We'll see you next week. <laughs>